Good evening. I'm David. Uh, I'm on the team here. It's great to be opening God's Word with you. Um, I think this is the first time I've uh, spoken in the evening celebration, so I will say Happy New Year. I hope you had uh, a good Christmas, um, whatever a good version of your Christmas would be. Christmas is not always straightforward, is it? Um, And one of the reasons for Christmas being difficult, sorry to take you back there. Some of you have gone, you've moved on, you've had some prayer about it. Um, But we go and explore all sorts of different cultures. And I'm not talking about over in Thailand. I'm talking about your parents' house or your in-laws' house or Uncle Frank's house. No offense if your name's Frank. I'm sure you've got a lovely home. But we go and explore different places or or, uh, different cultures where people behave and do things differently. They might do turkey differently. They might do presents differently. Um, But we go to... to, Generally, we travel, travel around and explore different. I was at my um, parents' house. We'll probably go there once every two years. Um, and because it's the place where I grew up, like the last place, last time I lived there, I was a teenager, I find myself just sucked into this culture of, like, I just want to play computer games, eat, and not contribute at all to the household chores. Like, I just find myself getting into this strange... I watch more TV when I'm back at my parents' house than I ever watch normally. I'm just, I just get sucked into this... Um, the culture that is there. I want to talk a little bit about us being culture shapers. I wonder if you want to be a culture shaper or whether you find yourself just fashioned by the culture around you. Many of you are fashioned by the culture around you. You don't wear skinny jeans because you think they're the best kind of jeans. It's because you've been shaped by culture. No offense intended. So uh, today, I, um, I discovered the reason why I was missing so many phone calls. If you've tried to call me recently, I apologize. Uh, I keep missing calls. I'm going, what? I had my phone in my pocket. It's on loud. What's going on? I missed calls from my wife. Like She literally just called one minute ago. How have I missed that? Um, and the ringer was just turned down. The ringer was turned all the way down. So I changed, went back into my settings, changed it. So, the ringer, so it was on. It was on loud. But I turned the ringer up. Uh, and, and so hopefully I'm not going to miss a whole load of messages anymore. Uh, and I want to talk to you tonight. I think there's, there's often some messages that we're missing, opportunities or ways that God is speaking to us. And we've just not got a sharpened focus. Our attention is perhaps not his in the way that we would want it to be. Uh, and so we're talking about walking with God. It's the series that we're doing. It's also a whole load of resources that you can find online about how to walk with God. How to basically cultivate culture, the kingdom culture in your life. Are you up for that? Seven people. Well, it's worth it. It's worth it for those. So culture is the ideas, customs, and social behavior of a particular people or society, your office space, your workplace, the house you share with your mates, your family, your cat, whoever it is, has a culture. There are so many places and spaces you walk into And actually, you will find, and we've talked about it and had some words about it, so many of them do not reflect the culture of our king. If you have a relationship with Jesus here tonight, you would call Jesus your king. And there's a kingdom that wants to invade earth. And yet we have a different culture. Perhaps ruled by drivenness or idols of achievement, influenced by insecurity and fears. There's a culture around us that is not always conducive with with our following Jesus. 
And we're supposed to be becoming disciples who transform communities and nations for him. But often I find, I feel like I'm being more transformed by the culture around me. You might desire to transform the world of journalism or politics or healthcare. We'll come up against all sorts. That call on your life will come up against all sorts of cultural clashes and differences. Different to the one that you've been baptized into. The culture of the king. So we need to cultivate the culture of the king. That's what we need to do. We need to cultivate the culture of the king. I'm going to talk about being internally resolved. I'm actually talking about fasting in a way, but it's why fasting is so important, why fasting is so rich. Fasting is just one of a lot of different catalysts for growth. Uh, This is the second in a series started by Andrew last Sunday a.m. We had the bishop last week. Um, So so if you haven't, if you didn't get to hear Andrew in the morning last week, uh, do pop online and you can listen to that. Um, start us off, but just a slide up of different catalysts um, you'll see here. So worship and prayer for growth, spiritual growth, life groups, personal healthy, spiritual habits of which fasting is one of them, accountability relationships, stepping out, serving and taking risks, different ways you can cultivate the culture of the king, how we can walk with God. Are you internally resolved or remotely controlled? Are you internally resolved or remotely controlled? I wonder if you have a resolve around the speed limit for those of you who drive. You will not find people, whether people are resolved about a 30 mile an hour speed limit by going to this particular section of a road. How many people have seen people just slamming the brakes on before a speed, speed camera? Those people are not internally resolved. They've not decided that they are going to people smiling at me and you shouldn't be you're basically admitting to being pulled over by police recently but the point is the point is those so often we think we might adhere to a particular rule but actually we're just we're just sticking to external controls it's a remote control something outside of us that's influencing our behavior most of you are behaving slightly differently because you're in a church building maybe or because you're around particular people And then you find yourself in a different environment, a different culture tomorrow, and maybe things have changed. I wonder if that's because your internal resolve is at a low ebb. Where is your internal resolve at? Do you find yourself being a different person in different places, fashioned by the culture? I'm enjoying this study. We're looking at a guy called Daniel from the Old Testament. We're going to go there in a minute to Daniel chapter 1, just briefly. Uh, But Daniel was someone who absolutely nailed this internal resolve. He was moved around from culture to culture. He was, was, but yet he remained faithful to the culture that he had stewarded in his heart. And that was in a challenging situation. So we're going to go there, Daniel 1, it'll be on the screen, but feel free to, to go to it in your Bibles. Some other um, chunks of scripture I want to get to, so we won't spend a long time in this. Uh, But in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it, brought this army. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. So the articles, these things that were used uh, for worship. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Now, I'd love for us all to have the mind of a uh, first century, 
or prior to that, one of the, the people in the land at the time, living in Jerusalem, who thought that Jerusalem would never, ever be conquered. They had this idea that it was, it was God's holy city, and yet this army comes, takes all the stuff, and takes it to Babylon. It's about a 13-hour drive. It would have been a three-day. No, it would have been a longer travel than that back in those days, but takes it to Babylon, this other country, takes all these precious articles from in the temple and puts them in a place that is what, how they would see as unclean. This was kind of like sacrilege in so many ways for them. It was, it was a huge deal for the people at the time. And they took off a whole load of the people at the, at the time, the kind of nobles, the, the clever people, the people who would um, build, actually be culture shapers, the people of influence. They took them to Babylon and started to teach them loads of different things, including Daniel. Daniel was one of those people that they took from Jerusalem and plopped them in Babylon. And what I love about Daniel is Daniel is still Daniel in Babylon as much as he was in Jerusalem because he has an internal resolve. And I want to say to you this evening that we are definitely in Babylon more than we are in a Jerusalem, in this current country, this current climate. The culture around you is not, has kind of taken what should be worship of God at the center, taken those articles of worship and put them all sorts, in all sorts of different other places. The things that are supposed to God, that's supposed to be at the center of, of culture and society and is taking it and it's all over the place. You are not waking up in the morning into a world that is focused around and pursuing the King of Kings. I hope that's not news to you, but it's part of the challenge that we face when it comes to walking with God. We're not going to wake up and just follow the flow and it's going to get, we have to be um, determined about it. And so Daniel models it. And if you read the, the rest of the story, um, Daniel's offered all the finest food at the king's table. And he says, hang on a minute, I want to go vegetarian. Some of you are doing that for January. Some of you are doing that forever. Well done. I was a vegetarian once. Retired now. Um, <laughs> um, but I did do it. Um, and, and actually, he, he resolves to just serving God in every single way and not being defiled and distracted by the things that would please the flesh. So Daniel is an amazing example of what it is to actually enjoy freedom. We had a word earlier about where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So often we think freedom is the ability to choose whatever we want. Actually, I think freedom is being aligned to the king of kings. Sometimes freedom looks like being able to say no to things. The world would say that freedom is liberty to say whatever we like or do whatever we like. That's freedom. I don't think that's true. That's not what I see in the Bible. Great. Okay. There's a picture of some dogs coming up. Which dog wins? You might have heard this before. Well, actually, there's a joke about it. Uh, the one with the most comfortable lead. Come on. Come on. The one with the most... Thank you. Um, but uh, often we talk about the dog... The, it, it, in a fight, it's the dog that you feed is the one that's going to win. And actually, in our lives, in, in, in our pursuit, in our walking with God, we can, fe- we can feed the flesh or we can feed the spirit. We can feed the flesh or we can feed the spirit. 
And so there are all sorts of choices that you will have in your day about what you're going to do. Are you going to do the easy thing, even though it's not the right thing? Or are you going to do the right thing, even though it's not the easy thing? And, and for those of us who've got the Holy Spirit in us, he is the fuel. He is the resolve in us to do the thing that brings us life, to do the thing that brings life to us. But it's a battle. I'm just going to read to you from 1 Corinthians 9. This is Paul's, Paul just explaining something of this battle. Verse 24, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Some other translations say I beat my body and make it my slave. There's just something about the desires of the flesh. And we'll look at that in Galatians shortly. The desires of the flesh. That Paul's saying, actually, I'm not just going to give my body everything it wants. I'm not just going to be defined by some remote options. I'm actually going to be defined by a steely resolve on the inside of me that says, do you know what? I want what God wants best. That's what Daniel did. He sat at a table with all sorts of options and said, I'm going to go for broccoli. I mean, who does that? Steak or broccoli? Crazy. And yet, countercultural and powerful. We're going to get to fasting. This is about fasting. Who's excited about fasting? Yes. Fasting, what a great discipline. In fact, I'm going to get my phone out just, just to show you. Don't text me during the celebration, please. It's not appropriate. Uh, So this is from the Walking With God website. You can go to trinitycheltenham.com. There's a whole load of resources there that explain all sorts of different practices that we can be getting into. And this is an explanation a little bit about fasting. It says, once we begin to to be able to reject immediate gratification of our instinctive appetites, we become more free to concentrate on matters of our Father's kingdom often with a sharper sense of focus. The Bible links the practice of fasting with justice and discernment and with answered prayer. Jesus commended it, so it deserves our attention. We're going to come to fasting shortly. I just want us to look now at Galatians 5, verse 13. I'm going to have a little look at it. Go to your Bibles as well. Turn them on, switch them on, engage with it. I'm going to pray now because we... Technically, Nick didn't pray for me beforehand. And so just in case, just in case, I'm going to pray. Jesus, we love your word. I just want to pray that you would open our hearts um, to what you want to say tonight. That you would move powerfully and stir us and bless us, we pray. Amen. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Who's excited about freedom? Yep. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Who can see that little A there? We've got a little footnote that's going to be important. The flesh, sarks, is the Greek word that's been used at this time. Can we have the definition, the little footnote, please? Nick? Yes. 
In contexts like this, the Greek word for flesh, sarx, refers to the sinful state of human beings, often presented as a power in opposition to the spirit. Also, in verses 16, 17, 19, 24, and 6, 8, all the verses that we're going to look at now. So, flesh, that sinful desire, the desire for that which is opposite to the spirit, still this kind of warring dogs kind of image. Great. Back to 13. Thank you. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sarks, the flesh, that sinful nature. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Next section. Thanks. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that, they are not, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. I just wanted to show you that passage because there's something about this, this desire. Your, your body desires stuff. Your, your sin desires stuff. I don't know what, what it is that you are desiring strongly that you, that you know pulls you in directions that you shouldn't go. But it desires stuff. And yet the spirit is desiring life. If you're, try, if you're just trying to satisfy the flesh, you're not going to be in accordance with the Spirit. You're not going to be living life of the Spirit, cultivating the kingdom. And so what I love about fasting is it's a really practical, really rubber-hitting-the-road kind of way of saying, flesh doesn't win. The flesh doesn't win. It's saying, actually, I'm not just going to have what I desire I'm not just going to have what I want. I'm not going to have what's accessible to me. And whether that's food or whether that's a little dopamine hit from a like on your Facebook page, whatever it is, it's whatever those kind of desires that you are driven by that are contrary to the life of the Spirit that you're aware of. This is what Paul's speaking of in, in this Galatians passage. It goes on in Galatians 6, if we can have that section up, please. Nick, thanks. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Who feels more inclined to fast now than they were at the beginning of this talk? One person, two people. The more people put their hand up, the shorter this sermon will be. Okay, thank you. Okay, well done. Well done. Let's get fasting. Great. There's, there's something about fasting that is powerful because it says yes to the Spirit. It says yes to the Spirit. And it's a really strong and clear way of saying no to the flesh. No to the flesh. And not letting your body win all the time. The desires win all the time. It's about a discipline and a willpower as well as some other things. Great. I'm going uh, to just talk about three A's. We're going to look at uh, attention, affection, and appetite. Why don't you say that to the person next to you, see if you can remember all three of them. Great, great. These are some of the reasons that um, fasting is really good. Um, fasting is really good to get our attention. 
There's something about getting our attention and giving our attention to God. It's like getting little push notifications from your tummy. Like you go through the day, you get a little rumbling in your tummy and it's a reminder, hang on a minute, I'm living life by the Spirit. I'm living life by the Spirit and I'm giving God my attention. It's my attention is focused on God. There's something about fasting that has a focus to it because it takes effort, it takes planning, it takes scheduling. I'm talking primarily about fasting food. It might be that for health reasons, you're pregnant, you have some issues around food, that fasting is not gonna be right for you. It might be that it's most helpful for you to fast social media for a time, or whatever it is, start small. Start small, but start with intention and saying, do you know what, I'm gonna go without something. And it's about saying, do you know what, I'm giving my attention to God in a focused way and, and with a real emphasis. So that's attention. It's also about affections, our affections. So often our desires are driven by the things that we desire, that our bodies desire, that we want this or we want that. There's something about going without when we could have when it's for God that is costly, that is costly, that is a sacrifice. There's something about fasting that is saying, do you know what, God? I am serious about my relationship with you. Tim spoke brilliantly this morning about fasting and said, there's something, I'm going to misquote it really badly now, so you'll have to watch it online. There's something about fasting being this, taking our devotion to God and putting it in bold, italic, and underlining it. It's saying, I am serious about this. I am serious about pursuing you. I'm not just going to sing about it for 40 minutes on a Sunday and then go and live a different life. I'm actually going to get into the discipline of, of sacrifice and counting a cost. It sharpens our faith. It helps our affections. In some ways, and Tim challenges us to find our own little definitions, there's something about fasting that creates a wilderness in your body and mind for your soul to flourish in creates a wilderness in your body and mind for your soul to flourish in. The wilderness in the Bible is so often a place of clarity. It's a place that one of the greatest of prophets, John the Baptist, functioned out of the wilderness eating locusts. Take that, vegans. How about that for a diet challenge on? Is anyone doing the locust fast? You should start just saying that around your office and just, just try and make it out to be a cool thing that people are like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm gonna try the locust fast, yeah. Locusts and honey, come on. He was, he was away from the culture in order to keep his eyes focused on the kingdom culture. And there's something about fasting that enables us to separate ourselves in some way, create something of a wilderness within our own bodies that helps our focus again, soul focus. To be God. S-O-U-L as well as S-O-L-E. Soul focus. To be God. It's our affections. I just want to read um, from Hosea. A point in the, um, the Bible. I love this verse. Uh, God is talking to his people who have been off, going off in all sorts of directions, going after all sorts of different, giving desires to all sorts of different ways. And I don't know if you've had one of those Christmases where you've just gone after all sorts of pleasure, more than just mince pies. 
You've gone after all sorts of stuff. You've just had such a fleshy Christmas. Here's some words from God calling us back. Verse 14 of chapter 2. Therefore, I am now going to allure her into the, I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There's something about being lured into the wilderness, into a, 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 an apart place where God can speak and bring clarity and speak tenderly and remind us of, of our first affection in him. So it's about our attention to God. It's about our affections. But of course, it's about our appetite. It's about our appetite. There are so many quick wins in this world that just lead to long-term dis-ease. There are so many quick wins, so many easy gains. Just going and, and, and switching on your computer and, and following your local team or your favorite team so you can get a little buzz about their win and, and not worry about the fact that you're losing in your life and you're not addressing the real issues. I don't know what else it will be. That's a mild version. What is it that you, that, that you pursue? What is it that's got your time? What is it that your appetite is shaped around that actually is robbing you? What I love about fasting is it's an opportunity to say, do you know what? I'm going to have my appetite revolve around God and Him as a priority. And I'm going to learn the richness and the freedom of saying no. No, I'm not gonna have. It's exciting. So we go from easy wins to eternal ways. That's what I love about fasting. We, go, we move from these easy wins to eternal ways, to habits that will invite the kingdom culture into different places and different spheres of influence. So I hope you're up for Discipline in this kind of way. It's not a really attractive word, is it? Discipline. It's not a word that we, that we love, but it's, it, it is a powerful one and it shapes us. We're going to finish with um, Matthew 6, 16 to 18, just really practical. I've kind of talked a little bit about why fast because we want to be culture shapers. We want, to, we want to fuel that internal resolve in us by giving life, like living life of the spirit, not of the flesh. But we're just going to look at uh, a brief bit where Jesus talks about fasting. He says, when you fast, there's an assumption that you will be fasting. Um, just so you know. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Brilliant. Brilliant. I mean, it's, it's almost like joining a fasting WhatsApp group, isn't it? Just, yeah, I, do you want to be in my fasting WhatsApp group? It's like broadcasting it to the world. Look how cool I am being. Look how mature I am as a Christian. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. It's not about how we look to the people around us. But when you fast, put oil on your head. Really practical, guys. Just put some oil on your head. And wash your face. That's a big challenge for some of us here tonight. So that it will, be not, it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting. But only to your Father, who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. This is not making a big show. This is not about becoming the best of disciples. This is about connection with your Father, ultimately. And guys, there are so many of us who are into all sorts of things actually hinder us from the connection with the Father. Noise 
in our lives, noise and noise and noise. Fasting is one of those ways of saying no to something which is a big yes to something else. And there's reward in it. There's reward in it. There's power in it as we do something physically, physically as a way of saying, my affections are back with you, God. I give you my attention in a focused way. And I love that it's costly. One of the interesting things about Daniel moving to Babylon, the, the, the people who had been moved and were exiled, the exiles in Babylon, when they no longer had Jerusalem as the place of worship, they probably would have still had a prayer life and maybe met in places if they could. But what they wouldn't have had is a place to sacrifice, a central place to sacrifice. And so actually, the whole culture, the whole tradition in which they met was robbed of that, that, that significant aspect. I wonder if we, if there's similar aspect, are we being robbed of, of sacrifice, the opportunity to count the cost for our faith? Are we just having an easy version? Is God calling us to something more costly? And I would love to say that uh, as well as fasting, something that can be really, I, I just want to commend just costly discipleship and counting the cost physically, literally, we've talked about this building project. What is it that you could give up so that you can build a ceiling, a roof, so that you can maintain a worship space? Pray about what it is, what your lifestyle. I, I grew up in a church up in Salford in Manchester. I didn't realize, realize this till later on in life. And they, they built this whole new building. It was obviously, it was before I'd turned up there, but I got to hang out. I got to grow up in this church where there was a sports hall. It was all cool. We did loads of fun things. The building was great. What I didn't realize was that one of the elders there used to, uh, used to go to work on a bus. And then when they were trying to raise the money for the building, he started to cycle so that he could contribute the four pounds a week. I think that was a lot in that day. Four pounds a week to this building project. And I was blown away by that. I was like, what? He started to cycle so you could give what seemed like not a lot to me. But I was like, you, you were so resolved about having a place where people could worship you and grow. And I so got blessed by that. This roof has served us for 200 years. I wonder what you could give up so that we could invest into the next 200 years. This isn't a I'm not really talking about the roof project, but actually I don't want you to miss the opportunity to go, well, look, it might only be four pound a week, but I'm going to go without a coffee because I believe that this is important to have a space and a place where we worship God. And actually, even if it's nothing about a roof, it's me counting more of a cost and putting God first in my life in a real solid way. That's what I love about fasting because it's not just words. It's saying, my love for you, God, is full on proper. It's proper to the point where it's costly, whether it's less finance, whether it's less food, whatever it is. There's something powerful when we choose less for him. He honors it. And there's reward. Now, I'm not saying that what that reward is. It, God is not a slot machine God where we like, oh, if we really want some prayer breakthrough, we'll fast and then it'll happen. But there is power in fasting and putting God first. And the Spirit's able to move in ways in, amongst us as we shape our culture around His. Amen? Now, I don't really know how to do ministry at this point, but you're all currently fasting, I think. No one's eating, as I can see. So it's almost like you've responded immediately. Um, but we will pray and see how God wants to lead us, if that's all right. You up for that? Some of you might want to quickly just schedule in.
a fast notification for tomorrow morning. Don't eat. But let's stand if you're able to. We're going to pray a little bit. I hope that's whet your appetite a little bit for fasting. Um, if you are interested in knowing more, um, I could encourage you to listen to Tim's message from this morning. Go on the uh, Walking with God um, website. There's loads of resources, and there's also loads of resources at the back as well if you want to get deeper into it. But, but basically, have a go. Have a go. Get hungry. And let's pursue God with our hunger. Should we pray? God, I want to I pray for all of us tonight where our appetites have left us um, at, with some level of dis-ease. Where our indulging in the things of the flesh have left us hungrier than ever. Lord, I want to pray that you would lure us tonight, lure us into a wilderness, lure us into where there's less, that we might find more. Jesus. I wonder how you might pray in this moment. Why don't you just begin to pray? You might just want to say, Lord, I want less of all this flesh stuff and more of you, more of the Spirit of God moving in power in my life, more of a kingdom culture shaping the environments I walk into, more of an internal resolve, whatever it is that, that's, that's, that God has been speaking to you tonight about, why don't you just begin to respond to him and, and ask for more? Jesus, I want to pray that you would commission a whole bunch of Daniels tonight, male and female, obviously. Lord, I want to pray that you would commission a whole load of people who are the same on a Monday morning in a tough environment or a, a Thursday night in a, a tough family environment as they are on a Sunday evening. I want to pray, Lord, that you would bless all of us as we seek to walk with you more faithfully. Jesus, give us, give us an excitement for what you're calling us to, life in the Spirit. The fruit of walking in the Spirit with you, God, I pray. Call us in, draw us to it. Just, just going to wait. We're just going to be still.
If you're new to us, um, we, we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. You might want to hold your hand out. We, we do that not because it's magic, just because it's a sign of a, an outward hunger that we want to receive the gift of his presence in this moment. Jesus. We want to pray, God, that you'd come and so saturate our souls with your presence that our appetites are renewed for you that our affections are drawn back to you and that our attention is given to you in a a new way Lord we pray praying that for everyone in this room going to take a moment to call some people forward if, if you want to if you want to be prayed for at the front but I, I just sense that God's doing stuff amongst us in this moment I'm not going to rush so keep engaging with him come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit I want to take a moment and just take stock of your appetites and the decision making that you've been doing and and just do some repentance repentance is simply turning in the opposite direction you might want to say God I've been living this way this has been my appetite I choose tonight to have this as my appetite I'm not going to live in that direction anymore I repent of living in that direction of making those choices of pursuing that putting my significance in in this relationship or in that particular thing I consume whether that's online whether that's physical stuff do just sense a a father who loves us calling us calling us out calling us and saying come step out of the current culture that you're swamped in come I want to lure you into the desert and speak tenderly to you come if you've got a sense of the father just inviting you why don't you why don't you begin to move forward we'd love to pray for some people It's got a sense of whether there's anything around your affections, your, the attention that you give, or your appetite that you want to say, God, I'm recommitting in this moment to give you all of my attention, all of my appetite, all of my affection.
in you again afresh. Why don't you just come forward? We'd also love to pray for anyone um, who needs healing, whether that be emotional healing, physical healing. We believe in the power of God to heal bodies, to heal hearts. We'd love to pray for you. Just as people begin to come forward, if, if members of our family could come and join, just lay a hand on and partner with heaven for them. Just invite, just say, come Holy Spirit. Guys being prayed for, if, if there's something specific you want them to pray for, do do say, but you don't need to. I'm just ministering. There's definitely more people to come forward. Just sense, come forward. There's, there's just a response to you, the Father beckoning. Come, I want to speak tenderly to you. Get us, um, I feel like there's some, some people who feel really called to change cultures in different areas and spheres of influence, whether that be in, the, in health, in politics, journalism, in, in the arts, whatever it is where you feel called and you know that the environment you're called to is tough and isn't always kingdom and you want to be commissioned for that and prayed for for that, I would love for you to come forward and, um, and, and stand out and say, yes, I want to be a Daniel in those environments. I want to be set apart in those environments. We'd love to pray for you.